Welcome to Sparks, a podcast from Ignium, designed to help you reignite your passion and drive your business forwards. So good morning. This morning, I'm talking to Simon North about the subject of developing high-performing teams and cultures that support high-performing teams. Simon is an expert in the field of leadership and development of people, been doing it for many years. And when we've talked to Simon in the past, he's got a lot of experience around uh, areas of how to best build teams and build environments where people can thrive and actually make the most of the environment they're in. So Simon, welcome to this morning. Uh, I wonder, how would you describe yourself? I I put yourself there as a a person with an expertise in developing people. What would be the way you would describe yourself? I'm very happy with that. So good morning. Thank you for your introduction. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, I think most of us in in the field of people in organisations recognise the um, interrelationship between individuals or an individual um, in the base state, um, the the groupings that they have, which we sometimes call teams. Sometimes we load them with that name when they're not really teams, but we may come back to that. And then at the higher level organizations and the interrelationships that, that people have um, uh, with each of those states um, continuously through their working lives. Um, what I would describe myself as is somebody who's, who's really interested in sustained organizational performance and how organizations not only get there but sustain it i think we've all got examples of companies or organizations that were seen as good countries even that were seen as great and then they fell off the perch and so it's really really hard once you've achieved it to actually sustain it i'm interested in that but i'm interested in how do you move from an individual and a group of individual whether it's um you know a small number or a huge number and maybe distributed all over the world number you know massive to a sustaining organization and it is deeply complex it it has to be complex because um of of what i just said about the difficulty to sustain it you know so so actually getting there the sorts of things that you're talking about in your title about developing high performance not just performing but high performing and then um uh, you know making that a culture that is sustainable is about as complex as you can get and um people who have uh, experience of working in organizations in lots of different facets you know there are complexities in in finance and technology and all sorts but there's nothing as complex as individuals and once they're clustered in groups to create high-performing teams and, and i think that's a really interesting point isn't it because this thing about the difference in people and the problems you get in building a team of people from a group of people. And I often talk about it if I'm looking at growing the value of a business from bottom up. And lots of people talk about this as well. One of the key elements, facets you need to work on is actually getting the culture right at ground level. And the culture is made up of the people within it. It's made up of the talent and it's made up of the collective capabilities that make that group of people come together into a high performing team. And you see lots of businesses which just have teams in, and then you see some businesses which have high performing teams. And it's this difference, I think, is the key bit. I wonder, one thing you've talked about before is around the, the differences in people and recognising that different people have different attributes and different capabilities. How would you talk about that in terms of the collective elements building together to build a team? Well, um, 
It's a great question because I think, um, you know, back to your earlier question about what, what it is that we focus on and Ignium consultant, uh, Consulting focuses on, is this very issue. And I think it is so easy to say, oh, um, these are our tasks, these are our goals, these, whatever language we use, objectives, strategies that we're trying to fulfill, and believe that they're like a box of cornflakes where you'd pour them out and every single one's the same. And if you tasted it, it would be the same. And in fact, when they're manufactured, they're probably manufactured to a spec where they're supposed to be the same. And the one thing that you know about a clutch of individuals coming together as a group to try and make a team and a high performing team is that they are unique. Every single one of them is unique. Now, if you're a manager or a supervisor or a leader, whatever you may call yourself with a responsibility for people, how often do you think of the people that are working with you and for you as unique rather than as a commodity that fulfills a task. And I think that is a major issue for many um, organizations seeking greater performance, is that they don't put enough time and effort into understanding the uniqueness of what they have. Why? Because, I mean, it's just they don't. They just don't. It's not a habit that we have formed in, in, organize, in most organizations. The payoff, though, when you do understand the differences are that you can utilize them. They can utilize themselves. The natural propensity that anybody has is to do more of what they're good at. It's what we've always done and do will do until our dying day. Right. And hope that there are other people who will fill in for those areas we're less good at. You know, if I if I have a, a leak uh, in my house today, I need a plumber. I have no plumbing skills. I wouldn't know where to start. Right. It, if you just extrapolate that into how we function um, individually and collectively, we're always looking for the equivalent of a plumber in our team. And if we don't have one, then we're going to have to buy one. We may come in our conversation later to talking about how the workforce is going to be um, constructed in this period over the next years. The likelihood is it's going to be what people like Charles Handy were saying decades ago with a smaller core and a wider periphery of gig related workers who bring very specialist skills at very specific times to what an organization needs. Um, so, yes, this issue of difference is um, is really important because, you know, as you use the word culture in, in its simplest form, that's the way we behave around here. Well, wouldn't it be good if we started off by saying one of the things that we the one of the ways we behave around here is to respect everybody's difference and not expect us to comply all the time with a with a regime of, of normality and, and, and commonness, which is what a lot of our frameworks and, and legislation are predicated on. And, and waste a lot of time. <laughs> and, and I think that's really interesting, isn't it? because the bit that was going through my mind as you were talking there is about, um, yes, recognising difference, recognising that everybody brings something else to the party. And you mentioned about Charles Handy, uh, and, and he talked about this in the empty rain, raincoat, in terms of looking at these different people and how portfolio workers can come in and actually deliver value to companies on different basis. And I yeah. think we're moving more towards that area. But the bit that struck me there is how do you set businesses in line with a group of values or a set of values that a group of people can then adhere to. Because I think we recognize the differences in people, but my belief, and I'll be challenged on this, I'm sure by yourself, is that if you've got a set of values in the business, does everybody else in that business have to adhere to those same set of values? Or is that where difference can come in as well? No, I think difference can come in as well. I think, um, 
I think it's important that at a level and in a particular way, every individual who is part of an organization's purpose and journey have a belief in a set of values which underpin what it is we're trying to do. We're going to go from A to B and we're not going to kill each other, you know, or whatever that, you know, whatever the value system is. I don't think in any way that stops us from understanding difference. You know, there are, there are, I'm sure you, like, like, like me, in the past and in the, and in the present, you know, there are groupings that we are part of. We're part of a tribe, maybe our family, our extended family, part of our community of where we live, part of our, you know, if we happen to be involved in, in a religious um, denomination, we will find people who have a common set of values in the family or in the church or in the community. But it doesn't mean that we have to change ourselves. You know, we, we hear a lot about authenticity in in our world, you know, of, of organizational work. And I think people can be authentic and in, because they are them and they have a, a, a way of being and a way of doing and bringing their skills and experience and wisdom to, uh, to into play and at the same time subscribe to what it is that they're there for. One of the things that I'm always, I think this sort of came on me uh, after I've been working for some time, that everybody has choice. Yeah. Um, and employers typically for a long, long time thought, oh, no, if once I'd hired them, I'd got them. And then till the day they resign and they wonder why. Yeah. Everybody has choice. So we're choosing to bring ourselves with our uniqueness we're also choosing to get on board this particular vehicle for this particular journey because it suits us so to do. So I, I don't think that there, um, yeah, the, 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 I think there's a clear overlap between that. And, and interesting, I think this thing about choice fits in there as well because uh, if you look at things like top grading as an approach to selecting members of your team, um, where at this moment, most teams should be looking at their A-grade people because that's what you need to help you move through this period of time. Yeah. And businesses have a choice about who to recruit, who to retain, and who to develop. And when you talk about high-performing teams, and then I, I, I come back to this subject of top grading, look at, okay, if you were to grade your teams A, B, and C, your team members A, B, and C, and understand, okay, these are the A people, these are people that if I set up this business tomorrow again, I would definitely wholeheartedly want these people on my bus. The B graders are the people who are, you know, they're better to have somebody than nobody. And the C graders are the ones who just generally are bringing this team down and we really don't need them. So when you look at building high point team, my belief is you need your A grade people. You need the people who have really got that ability to drive the business forwards. They buy into your values or a set of your values. But also I'm wondering, how does this word purpose come into this? Because my view is that to drive a high-performing team, we have to have a common purpose. What's your thoughts around the word purpose in teams and, how, and where have you seen that come to life in the past? Um, another, that's another great, great question because purpose is one of those terms that, again, is, is used a lot and there's a sort of a, an assumption that we all know what we mean by it. Yeah. To be honest, w wouldn't we be lucky if our purpose was set and never changed? Um, I've, I've been thinking recently about Bill and Melinda Gates and the amazing work they've been doing and and how they have been during this pandemic. Of course, it's not slap bang in the middle of their world, but they understand so much about vaccines and so much about you know the, that world. And 
the reason I've been thinking about it is because it's made me think about Microsoft and when they started as a business. Or I could pick any any business of of that um, amazing success over a period of, of decades. Is Microsoft today doing exactly what it was that Bill Gates and and his and his partners d- uh, set out to do? Probably not, because they've been hit by the by the winds of fortune and the winds of fate and the competition that's come in from Google or or Apple in, in, in you know suddenly becoming a major competitor to their software systems. So I just use that as one example. Purpose can be derailed, but I don't think that matters, and this is why. I think the key issue about purpose is that those who have responsibility for holding that, think of it like a candle and a candle that maybe is being blown in the wind and has got to um, stay alight. So the job of the leadership is to keep the purpose alight and then next to remind people all the time about it all the time. And I don't mean at the shareholders meeting and in the annual report. I mean all the time. And there are some people, some academic people who will say it needs to be reminded multiply per day. And the people will read that and think, oh, for heaven's sake, get real. Actually, you can do it. You can do it in every single exchange that you have with an individual. You can do it with every exchange you have with a grouping of teams that you're debriefing. Every single meeting that you attend, you remind yourself of what it is we're doing vis-a-vis the purpose. And those, and that might feel, for some of the people listening to this, a little bit like, like it's um, a bit heavy. But I can tell you what, it really works because it brings a relevance to all our thinking and all our effort and our collectivism and our alignment, and is almost, to your earlier uh, question, an, um, a prerequisite of high-performing teams. And interestingly, there's, there's two things come to mind there. I, I often talk about the, the, the same thing about a candle. And actually, the best way we can bring our light to the world, our purpose, is to ignite other people's candles. And actually, when you combine two candles together, you get a brighter flame. You get more intensity. So the analogy for candles works really well for me. Because I think if we can all bring our candles to the party and all ignite from the same candle, we've got a brighter flame that will help us all move forward. And and I'm a a big believer in purpose for teams. And I, I often talk about the word context. So for every meeting, I will typically work with. I will say, what's the context here? What's the context of me doing this piece of work? And if you interchange the word context and purpose, actually, what's yeah. the purpose of me doing this thing? So you and I have a conversation now. We have a common purpose. My co-pi purpose is clearly just to inspire people. And if I can inspire more people through my work, I know my work is done. That's my purpose. And, and, and I think also there's, there's Jim Collins used to talk about the, the word BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. And that was very much around, you know, what's the, what's the top of your mountain? That's the 10 to 30 year goal you're trying to achieve. And it may be the, the JFK, by the end of the decade, we're going to put a man on the moon. Or it might be the Microsoft purpose of a desktop computer on the home of it or on the desk of every person in the world or whatever the words were exactly around that. Yes. Now, I, I, like, I like your term, uh, context. I think context is, um, is very rich. And I, I think that it, um, it is subtle and sophisticated in the sense that contexts are constantly changing. Purpose we want, despite what I said about it sometimes moving, purpose tends to stay relatively static for some time. Context changes every minute. 
and that's what I, that's what I like about what you said. Just just to, to give you um, an illustration of of what I think we're talking about here, it's much easier. We, in in the organisational world, we quite often look to sport for our analogies and our metaphors. And one of the things about um, the four well until now the four year circle uh, cycle of the Olympics and the and the, then the four year cycle, um, but you know slightly out of kilter for the World Championships, is that individuals and teams are actually aiming for a very specific goal there's a purpose there that has brought this group together or this individual together with their you know range of coaches and so on to actually achieve something and then it disperses after because they're you know they go and retire or maybe they go for another cycle you know for, for another four years um, but that is a very very clear mandate and if you were to put a recorder on the main the head coach of any team or any individual on that four-year cycle i wonder how many times they are reminding themselves as well as the people they're working with about what this is about yeah so if you're doing boring training in the pouring rain in a in a british winter on the river or whatever you know you're actually watching clocks and looking at times to see whether you're ahead of where you were last winter yeah for example so you've got this sort of incremental um change that's going on of 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 being better to tomorrow than you were today you know which is part part of it and and the topic that would always come to mind when i think about that is dave brailsford and looking for marginal gains which is a topic we could talk about another day i'm sure yeah yeah Um, so we're coming to the end of this this short podcast of this time around the word high performing teams and there's lots more we could talk about there but we started off by talking about this word difference and then we talked about having a guiding purpose and a guiding context if you were to give one bit of advice for people setting up teams at this time when there's turmoil when it's uncertainty facing a lot of people with regard to the economy what's the key bit of advice you would say this is what you need to be be mindful of What, what would come to mind well um, as you were speaking, I was thinking of a tool, and then actually, I think even more powerfully, you, you said it a moment ago when you were talking about your A, B, and C category people. It is absolutely the case that we should spend the greatest amount of our time on the A graders because they're the people who are going to build your business back, they're going to develop your business, they're going to sustain it, and they're the ones that you really, really want to look after in probably ways that you haven't done before. I'm thinking particularly around issues of of well-being generally and things like flexibility and you know the impact uh, of this pandemic on them and their families and how they've worked and how they've not needed to commute and how they're feeling in terms of their energy levels. Et I could go on and on. But they're the people to look after because they're the ones who are going to make the biggest difference. The B's and the C's could be important to you, but they're never going to be as important as the A's unless they they you know they go through some sort of process of 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 getting into your mind that they are now A's as a result of you know their performance yeah I think that's the single biggest thing I would I would suggest yeah I think that's a that's a very powerful piece Uh, thank you Simon Simon North thank you very much you're welcome so that concludes this episode of Sparks thanks for listening we're always looking for ideas on how to drive this podcast forward. So if you've got comments, please leave them via a review of our show, along with your rating, or send us an email to sparks at eviumconsult.com.